Jesus House in Pursuit of God Discovering Purpose Maximizing Potential Impacting Lives This message is being brought to you from Jesus House London God bless you Father, we just want to thank you for your word. We bless you, O God, for the entrance of your word brings light, revelation, Father. We have so much information, but we want the information, Father, to become revelation because it's revelation that empowers us, O God, to do what you would have us do. So, Father, today let revelation come by your word that will lead to us being empowered to do what you would have us do. Father, when the word comes, let it lift burdens, break yokes. Let it direct our paths. Let it excite us in our hearts and in our spirits, Heavenly Father. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. We have been uh, on a journey. Um, we have been, this would be the fifth session, am I right? Uh, of the teachings on the Holy Spirit. Um, these are probably the most significant teachings I have done with regards to what God wants to do with us as a people in the new. And I guess everything started from our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ himself. In John the 16th chapter, he says to his disciples in the 7th verse, and this is the Amplified Classic, he says, however, I am telling you nothing but the truth when I say it is profitable, it is good, expedient, advantageous for you that I go away. Because if I do not go away, the comforter, the counselor, the helper, the advocate, the intercessor, the strengthener, the standby will not come to you into close fellowship with you. But if I go away, I will send him to you to be in close fellowship with you. He literally kickstarts everything by saying to his disciples, um, when he noticed how crestfallen they were, that he had just told them that he was going to be crucified, he says to them, almost bringing assurance to them, uh, to encourage them that don't worry, this is part of the plan. Don't, don't get upset or anxious. This is part of the plan. He says, it is absolutely necessary it's not just necessary, it's for your good, it's profitable to you, it's to your advantage, it's expedient for you that I go away. He was saying, in effect, according to the plan of heaven, we are entering a new dispensation, a new phase. We work together as the Trinity, and so it's time for me to step back, to go away so that we can send another. Of course, the other that was being sent was part of the Trinity. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. Um, because we will send him, he will be a comforter to you, a counselor to you, a helper, an advocate, an intercessor, a strengthener, a standby. He will come to you to be in close fellowship with you. And that's why we are sending him. That's why we've agreed in Trinity that he should come. 
And there are two ways that he comes to us. The first one is when a person is saved. When a person is saved, then the Spirit of God takes residence in the person's heart. He comes to the person in that way. The Bible says that we are the temple of the Spirit of God. And this was God's massive plan of bringing us back to where we were supposed to be in the first place. And Jesus Christ demonstrates this. All the time he was alive on earth, no matter how close the disciples were to him, the Spirit of God was not in them. In fact, John makes it quite clear by saying the Spirit of God couldn't come into them because Christ had not been glorified yet. He hadn't died and he hadn't been resurrected. And so because of that, the Spirit of God couldn't come into them. The privilege that you and I have as believers, that God himself can take residence in our hearts, in our lives, that he can make your body his home. No one had that up till the point where Jesus died and was resurrected. As dynamic as their lives were, as, as compelling and riveting as their stories were, Elijah, Elisha, Joshua, Abraham, Moses, even the prophets, Jeremiah, Isaiah, the minor prophets, Micah, none of them, the disciples who walked with him, saw him in a physical sense, demonstrate so, much, so many signs and wonders. None of them had the privilege yet because he hadn't died and he hadn't been resurrected by the Spirit of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. So, in John, the 20th chapter, and the 20, 22nd and 21st and 22nd verse, now, after this had happened, after he had died and he was resurrected, the Bible says, so Jesus said to them again, peace to you, as the Father has sent me, I also send you. And when he had said this, he breathed upon them and said to them, receive the Holy Spirit. And you know, this is a, this is a beautiful, beautiful story. Because I'm sure you remember when we spoke about how the fall of man led to the Spirit of God departing man because when man went into rebellion man's body became corrupt so the spirit of God could not stay in the corrupt body of man and so the spirit of God left man and man was banished from from the garden of Eden because if you remember in in Genesis the second chapter God had put his breath into man and that's what had made man a living creature so man was alive but when man sinned and fell, the Spirit of God withdrew. So whilst man continued to exist, man was no longer really alive. Because what gives true life is the Spirit of God in us. And so the plan is set in motion that culminates with the death and resurrection of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. And when, when that happens... He does the same thing to the disciples that his father did when he was creating man. He takes the disciples and breathes upon them and says, receive my spirit. 
Now, when we get saved, that's exactly what happens to us. The Spirit of God comes back into our lives, regenerates our spirits, and the walk with God starts. So number one, He comes when we get saved, when you give your life to Christ. In a sense, this is when the apostles genuinely became born again, as we know it. When He put the breath of His Spirit in them. So I want you to understand that it is quite possible to be born again, but not to be baptized by the Spirit. There are two different things. How do I know that? Because the Bible tells me so. And when I look at the story of the, of the, of the, of the disciples, they became born again here, but they hadn't yet received the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And if you wanted a title for the message, it's a very simple one, the baptism of the Holy Spirit. You know, if you read the account in Acts, the 8th chapter, verses 14 to 17, the Christians that in Samaria had received the word. They had believed, the Bible tells us. But then the Bible says they had not yet received the Holy Spirit. Now, does that mean that the Holy Spirit was not in them? The moment they were saved, he was. But the outpouring, the baptism, the immersion in the Spirit of God had not yet taken place. So the first time the Holy Spirit comes is when we are saved. The second time he comes is when a person is baptized in the Spirit. Again, the timetable of heaven, the intention of God, that we should not just have him in us, but that we should be immersed in him, baptized by him. And you know, the word baptism actually means immersion. So we are baptized when we are immersed in something. And from the start, John the Baptist shouted out for all of us to understand this, that part of the plan is that you must be baptized in the Holy Spirit. It's the intention of God. In literally every gospel, at the start, as the forerunner of Christ, he makes us understand that part of why Christ is coming is so that you can be baptized by the Holy Spirit. Every single gospel, Matthew 3 verse 11, Mark 1 verse 8, Luke 3 verse 16, John 1 verse 33. I would have loved to read all of them to you, but I'm conscious of time. So let's just look at Matthew 3 verse 11. This is the forerunner, the one proclaiming Christ. He says, I indeed baptize you with water unto repentance, but he who is coming after me is mightier than I, whose sandals I am not worthy to carry. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. All the other Gospels are saying literally the same thing, that Jesus is coming and part of what he will do is baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. And as Jesus is preparing his disciples to go, he confirms this. He says to them, don't depart from Jerusalem. Wait for the promise of the Father, which you have heard from me. For John baptized with water, but you shall be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. He was saying to them, 
just wait. There's a promise from the Father, Acts 1, verse 4 to 5. It's a promise from God. That in a short while, apart from the baptism you've done with water, you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit and with fire. And everyone agrees that what he prophesied actually came to pass. What he said, the Lord kept his promise. And we know he did because we know what happened on Pentecost. The Bible records it for us in Acts, the, the, 21st, the second chapter, verses 1 to 4. It's a day that we celebrate. And it's interesting that it is what we are called. So it would seem that there is something that is just not right if Pentecostals are not baptized with the Holy Spirit and walking in the fullness of that baptism because people call us Pentecostals because of what happened at Pentecost. But the baptism is not for Pentecostals alone. It is a baptism for every child of God. When the day of Pentecost had fully come, they were all with one accord in one place and suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind, and it filled the whole house where they were sitting. Then there appeared to them divided tongues as of fire, and one sat upon each of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. If you want to understand the baptism of the Holy Spirit, it's encapsulated in, that, in those scriptures. The Spirit comes. There's an immersion in a sense, we are drenched. It's not that the Spirit is in you. That's when you're saved. But the baptism is that we are literally overcome. We are drenched. We are immersed. The Spirit comes. And it's not a corporate coming. Because when the Spirit comes, the Spirit goes to work on individuals. Very graphic. It breaks up into tongues of fire that sit on each person. The baptism is a very personal thing. And there are supernatural signs of the baptism. The speaking in tongues and other manifestations of the baptism. And it's as the Spirit gave utterance. The Spirit is completely in charge of the supernatural uh, uh, expressions, but he gives them utterance. There's a participation in that it is them that are doing the speaking, but the Spirit gives them utterance. And please let's not reduce the baptism of the Holy Spirit to speaking in tongues like we tend to do as Pentecostals. It's a lot more than speaking in tongues. That might be part of the manifestation and should be part of the manifestations. But it's a lot more than speaking in tongues. So, where I was going, what is the purpose of this baptism? Because you see, when you understand the purpose of a thing, it makes you yearn for it. Because that's where revelation comes. I get it, somebody must say. I get it. And of course, some are already flowing, already baptized, but revelation makes you 
more effective in what has happened to you? What's the purpose? Why was it important for John the Baptist, the forerunner, before Jesus had started ministry, to signpost that the one who is coming, this is something he's going to do. He's going to baptize you with the Holy Ghost and with fire. Why was it important? Why do all the Gospels record it? What's the purpose of this baptism? Is it just for the manifestations? Is it just, just for that? Mark 16, verse 15. I read 15 to 18. What's the purpose? And he said to them at the end, as he was preparing to go, Go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. He who believes and is baptized will be saved, but he who does not believe will be condemned. And these signs will follow those who believe in me. In my name they will cast out demons. They will speak with new tongues. They will take up serpents. And if they drink anything deadly, it will by no means hurt them. They will lay hands on the sick and they will recover. Let's read verse 19 and 20. So then after the Lord had spoken to them, he was received up into heaven and sat down at the right hand of God. And they went out and preached everywhere, the Lord working with them and confirming the word through the accompanying signs. Amen. So what's the purpose? The purpose is very simple. We understand the purpose on the back of his instruction. What was his instruction to them? Go. What's his instruction to us? Go. Go and do what, God? Go and preach the gospel. Go and make disciples. Go. The church is not a sitting church. It's a going church. And when the church does not go, eventually God must allow severe persecution to force the church to go. And that's what happened to the church in Jerusalem. Things were great for them. They were having a good time. They were being blessed, much like the church today. But they had forgotten that the reason, the, the sole reason for them existing was that they should go. And when God had spoken to them over and over and they wouldn't listen, God allowed severe persecution to come. And because of that persecution, they had no choice but to go. The world does not change if the church doesn't go. We can create an oasis for ourselves. But it's a make-believe world if we're not going. I talk a lot about the new church. It's not really a new church. It's really an old church, but it's new to a lot of us because we haven't lived our lives like that. And that new church was a church on the go. Going. And I expect we're entering a season where God is overturning nests because people have refused to go. Too much is invested in you for you not to go. And when I mean go, I mean actively involved with the preaching of the gospel, the advancing of the kingdom of God, 
Religion has made us think that the preaching of the gospel is what I'm doing on Sunday. Absolutely not. This is just a fraction of it. You have a pulpit wherever God has placed you. In your office, you have a pulpit. In your school, you have a pulpit. In your neighborhood, you have a pulpit. You are also called as intercessors. That's why you're there, salt and light, in that neighborhood. If you're not praying for those on your streets, what are you doing? If you don't have a burden for those in your children's school, the teachers there, what are you doing? If your friends are not saved and you can hang out with them from week to week and your heart is not burdened that they are on a fast track to hell and eternity separated from God, you're relaxed in that. There's something that has gone wrong and something needs to shake you up so that it can become right. His instruction was go into all the world. And preach the gospel. Share the good news. Be very intentional about it. But then he said to them, but wait. That's interesting. You say we should go, but you say we should wait. Without understanding why it seems a paradox... He says to them, but the Bible says in the scriptures we read, Acts 1 verse 4 and 5, being assembled together with them after he had told them to go, he commanded them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father, which he had said, you would have heard from me. Wait, he said. And then his last recorded words. How many know the last words of a man who's departing are major? How many agree with me if you're in the auditorium? Those of you online, I can't see you. But in the auditorium, you agree with me. So these are the last recorded words of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. But you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And you shall be my witnesses to me in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. He said, go. Then he said, but wait. Wait until something happens to you. For if you go without what happens, you will be ineffective. You will be weary. You will be dry. You will be frustrated. You will not achieve the aim of going. So wait. Even though I've said go, wait. Wait for what, Lord? Wait for something to happen to you. What will happen to us? The Holy Spirit will come upon you and you will then receive power. And when you receive power, now go. With the power, you will be effective in your workplace. With the power, you will be an effective witness in your family. With the power, your neighborhood will know that there's someone down there who is praying because of the changes. With the power, 
you will really be salt and light. Without the power, you might look like salt, sing the songs that the salt sings, say the same words that the salt says, but there'll be no power to the salt. You will not change anything. So you've got to wait before you go for this to happen. What will happen? Power. You will receive power. And it's that word power that, that, that excites me. Uh, the Greek word dunamis. From which the word dynamite comes from. So what's going to happen to me? We will place a spiritual dynamite in your life. So that your words will not be mere words. Because men are not persuaded by mere words. No. Our oratory cannot do it. We have some of the best preaching now in all the churches in the world. But they are still coming to salvation in twos and in threes and in ones and in nones. So what do we need? Power. That dynamite. And when you think of dynamite, it drives the point home. You place dynamite under some rocks. No matter how massive they are, if there's enough dynamite, it, it shatters the rocks. So it's the power, the dynamite, that will bring down strongholds, that will, that will destroy the arguments of others, the things they have raised against the Lord. It's the dynamite. Dunamis. You will receive power. It's the dynamite, the power that creates excitement and enthusiasm about our faith. If you find that you're not excited about what you're, what you're in, then it's not a question of information. You have all the information. But I pray that today revelation will come that will make you understand the dynamite that is in you and make you excited about your faith. Come on. If we're excited about something, we all know we can't keep our mouths shut. How many know that it is so difficult to keep a secret when you're excited about it? If we're excited about Christ, we don't have to, we don't have to cajole ourselves to preach. You can't help yourself. You sit next to someone, you are excited. Dunamis is flowing through you and you say to the person, I've just got to tell you something. If you're excited, everybody knows that you're excited. Because of the dunamis. That dunamis speaks of supernatural power. And enablement. We are enabled. We are made able to do what we couldn't do naturally. Is that, is that, is that power, that dunamis in us? We're like depth charges. When we're released, they are ripples. But it's supernatural. It's not natural. Ability becomes Supernatural. Things are happening and we know it's not ourselves. It is, the, it is the dunamis in us by the Spirit of God. The gospel can never be proclaimed effectively without supernatural power. It's that dunamis that makes us go through challenges, overcome obstacles, Stand in the face of adversity. And you know, 
There's so much testimony in the Bible about when this happens. Paul says, as he testifies in Romans 15, verses 18 to 19, he says, I will not be presumptuous to speak of anything except what Christ has accomplished through me. He says, no need to talk about all this stuff. The only important thing is to talk about what Christ has accomplished through me. For many non-Jewish people are coming into faith's obedience by the power, by the dunamis of the Spirit of God. And how is that dunamis displayed? What is his testimony? That by this dunamis, by this dynamite, there are mighty signs and amazing wonders, both in word and in deed. What was Paul saying? Paul Paul was saying, I was a regular guy, highly intellectual, brilliant theologian. And a brilliant lawyer. And I thought I was doing stuff. But now, by this power in me, people are looking and saying, my God, when he speaks, when he does things, there is a power that is at work. That was his testimony. When we look at our lives, it's the power at work in us. In our words and in our deeds, in our actions and in our words. A church without signs and wonders is not the church that our Lord and Savior died for. A church where there's no demonstration of power, not from a pulpit, not the preserve of one or two people, not all of us queuing up because the latest man of God has arrived in town. No, that's not the early church. It's testimonies coming from you. Because of the dunamis, the power in you, we are overcome by testimonies that are coming from you. There are certain signs that follow the person who has dunamis. In his name, they cast out demons. When was the last time you cast out a demon from anybody? Have you ever cast out a demon from anyone? It's not the preserve of the deliverance ministers. You know, we were praying for someone to be healed. And someone meant well in saying, why don't you take the person to so and so and so and so? I say so and so and so and so. So what about Aguiruku? I'm the one who was leading the prayer. The person was saying, so I thought this is what the church has become. Because now there's a specialist. You don't need to bring it to me. These signs will follow. You will lay hands on the sick and they'll recover. It's your testimony I want to hear. That's the new church. The power is shared. It's not concentrated in one demigod of a human being who wants to become a deity so all of us can come to them. No! No! 
That's an Old Testament church that required a Moses. The New Testament church, the new says whosoever, and whosoever is you and is me. Give me your testimonies out of your connect groups. We gathered around and laid hands, pastor, and the demon was cast out or she, the person was healed. Give me your testimonies. That's the new church. So what is the challenge to this outflowing of this dunamis as I start to round up? The challenge is one of bondage. Someone says bondage to what? To a number of things. Bondage first to the lies that the enemy has told us that we cannot. That's why men and women of God, especially in the cultures that a lot of you come from, are deified. And the men and women of God encourage it, but it's a two-way thing. People are looking for who they will deify. The people want to be deified. It's a wonderful arrangement. Because the enemy, why are they deified? Because the enemy has told us lies that what they have, we can't have. So let's go to them because they are special. So unscriptural. Of course, by dint of their dedication to God, their sacrifice to God, their commitment to the word, fasting, prayer, the spiritual disciplines. Of course, there's a great anointing on some of them. But it's not an exclusive preserve. If I pay the same price they have paid, I will get the same anointing they have got. So it's a lazy church that is looking for, for contractors. Be my prayer contractor. Can you be my word contractor? Read it for me. That's why we are looking for all these things. You know, I mean, the church has become, God is just wondering, what kind of church is this? Running around. I'm fascinated at people. They say, this is where the power is. Really? They say, have you seen this man of God? Ah, oh, what a tragedy. I have never in my life gone after anybody. What they have I want what they have for myself. If you don't want it for yourself, be coming to me. I will get it for myself. But I will tell you, you better get it for yourself. You better get it for yourself. So it's the lies. Bondage to the lies. It's bondage to the traditions of men. The traditions in the church. You know, the early church was a very interesting church. It, it, wasn't, it wasn't as sanitized as the church has become, choreographed. No, the early church was quite something. When they met, anything could happen. Thank God for ushers. But do you know, in a lot of the church now, ushers... Their, their, their responsibility is to impose what we call order. So don't pray too loud. Don't shout. Don't run around. 
Don't lie on the floor. Lift your hands for two minutes and put it down. And we, we pat ourselves on the back the more choreographed our services are. Someone from the early church wouldn't understand it. Because they understood that when the Spirit of God comes, there's a liberty, there's a freedom from the rules of men. So it's bondage to traditions of men and bondage to religion. Let me bring this to a close because I wanted to just spend a few minutes doing this. Are you hungry or thirsty for the Holy Spirit? Are you? Three things very quickly. Of course, repentance, turning away from any life of sin. Second thing is the thirst. Third thing is the asking. You know, ask. It's a simple thing. Ask. The Bible says, if you can give your parents, as uh, parents can give their children, as terrible as we are, good things when they ask, how much more will the Father give us his Holy Spirit? The disciples were gathered in one accord asking, and he came. The fourth thing is yielding. Just releasing yourself. And especially releasing your tongue. That little part of you that can be unruly and wild. Releasing it. And that's where the utterance comes. And then, it's something we do, body, soul, and spirit. Hallelujah. Will you rise to your feet? Body, soul, and spirit. What do I mean, body, soul, and spirit? Your spirit yearns for it. Your soul, where your intellect exists, destroys all the intellectual barriers to it. Yeah? Because intellect is a very powerful thing. That's what keeps all of us how we are. And then your body yields to it. If it takes over your tongue, it takes over your tongue. If it takes over your body, it takes over your body. And as we do that, the baptism comes. Now someone says to me, don't I have to lay hands on you for the baptism to come? No, I don't. There are three places in the Bible where hands are laid. There are two places where hands were not laid. Maybe more, but those are the ones I've come across. When Peter went to Cornelius' home, while he was speaking, without laying hands, the Spirit fell upon them. And that's what I've asked God today, that the Spirit is going to fall on you. It's going to fall on you. Amen. Amen. Is anyone thirsty? Is anyone thirsty? Let's see hands up. If you're genuinely thirsty. Anyone thirsty? Now, when you're thirsty, what do you do? What do you do? Talk to me, somebody. When you're thirsty, what do you do? You drink. You drink. You drink. You drink. And so you're going to drink of the Spirit of God. And you know, when I was preparing this message, God said to me, this is what I was telling you. When I told you I'm going to do a new thing, 
He said, I, I, he said there'll, there'll be rivers in the desert. He said to me, this is the start of rivers in the desert. The dry places, the dry life. As you drink, receive rivers. Rivers. So, we're going to drink. I wish I had a bit more time, but I don't. So, I'm trusting the Holy Spirit to do a quick walk. We're going to drink. 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 Go on. Go on. Take the limits out of your mind now. And just assume you're drinking in the Spirit of God. Drink. Drink. Go on. Drink. Drink. Don't, don't look at any other person, please. It's an individual thing. We're asking for dunamis to be de deposited in you. So drink. 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 If you can sing, but bring it down a bit. Go on. Drink. 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 Go on. Do you're doing well. Just bring it down a bit. Go on. Drink. 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 It's to the extent that you desire. Drink. 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 Drink of the Spirit. Drink of the Spirit. Drink of the Spirit. Drink. Drink. Don't get distracted with manifestations. Just drink. Go on. Go on. Somebody's intellect is still in the way. Drink. You know, even if you want to cup your hands and drink in a physical sense, do that. Drink. 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 Rivers of living water. Rivers of living water. Rivers of living water. Oh God. Exactly as you promised. Rivers of living water. Rivers of living water. Drink. Drink. It's a personal thing. No one can do it for you. Drink. 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 Drink of the Spirit. Drink. The Spirit is immersing you. The Spirit is immersing you. Oh, lives are being changed and transformed. The Spirit is immersing you. Hey, 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 hey. Go on, drink. 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 Drink of the Spirit of God. Drink of the Spirit of God. Drink, 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 drink. Break the barriers and drink. Drink of the Spirit of God. Come, Holy Ghost, Holy Ghost, Holy Ghost, Holy Ghost. Go on, keep drinking. I don't know what He's going to do in your life as He comes in in this way. He's immersing you, breaking strongholds, doing whatever He wants to do. Go on, just concentrate, drink. Drink, 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 It's the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Now, if you, if you speak in tongues, now you can begin to speak in tongues. Even if you don't, the baptism is going to allow you to. All over the place, online, go and begin speaking in tongues. As the Spirit of God comes, go and begin speaking in tongues. Go on, lift, open your mouths, go on. Remember, you release your tongue to him. He grants you utterance. You're speaking mysteries to him. And even if you don't speak mysteries and you desire it, it will come. Come, Holy Spirit. Go on, go on, open your mouth, go on. There's still quite a bit of 
a bit of restraint and it's the bondage of our religion. I break every spirit of restraint and constraint as Lord I release your people. I release people to express what the spirit is asking them to express. Freedom comes into this place. Lord, whatever the Spirit of God is asking you to express, express it, express it. Let it be a, a praise, a shout. Someone wants to move out. You feel the Spirit moving you out from where you are. There's liberty, 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 liberty. Just move out. Someone wants to kneel or lie prostrate. You're being led by the Spirit. We release ourselves to the Spirit of God. Go on, just express yourself, express yourself as the Spirit of God is giving you expressions. Uh, 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 Father, we thank you, O oh God. Oh God, we bless you. We glorify your name, O oh God. Father, we break every constraint of religion, of the traditions of men. O oh Lord, we enter new dimensions as we release ourselves to your Spirit. Father, we thank you, O oh God. Now, as we come to an end, I'm going to believe God for the bursting of a dam that will just cause an overflow. That's what we want. Everyone in the overflow. And so when I say in the name of Jesus, I want you to lift your voice in your prayer language and I believe a dam is going to burst in this place. I believe it will happen for those who are online as well. Are, are you ready for that? There's going to be the bursting of a dam. We're just following a blueprint that God gave us. Father, we thank you. Are you ready? Are you ready? And whatever expression comes your way, so be it. It glorifies God as long as it's by the Spirit of God. Are you ready? I'm expecting that this dam is going to shatter certain things in, in your life that have been standing for too long against God. Are you ready? Remember, it's body, soul, and spirit. We are one, we are, we are, we are one with God. Are you ready? Father, we thank you, God. Holy Spirit, let the dam burst. Let the dam burst. Let the dam burst. Let the dam burst, Spirit of the living God. Let the dam burst. Those things have been standing for too long. That life needs to be totally transformed. Let the dam burst. I'm going to say in the name of Jesus, and I want you to lift your voice, a crescendo of sound. In the name of Jesus, the baptizer. Go on, lift your voices, lift your voices, lift your voices. Go on, break out of the constraints. Lift your voices, lift your voices, lift your voices, lift your voices. The, the dam bursts. The dam bursts. The dam bursts. The dam bursts. Male! Mare, rare, rare. Be drenched. 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 Be drenched in the spirit of God. It's not the work of a man, it's the Spirit of God. Be drenched, be drenched. There's nothing that the Spirit of God cannot do. You're entering the realm of the impossible. You're entering new things. You're powered by the Spirit of God. Dunamis is in your life. 
a dynamite has been placed in you. You're not the same person that you were. Thank you, Lord. 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 Oh, we bless you. Changed lives, empowered lives, enabled lives, transformed lives. 